0: Good morning. I am so thankful and delighted to be here with you. Uh, As you heard from Tim, my name is Sammy Um, uh, Wanyonyi. In case you're wondering where that name comes from, I grew up in Kenya in Eastern Africa in a small little village in the middle of nowhere, all right? Um, And at the end of this message, you can feel free to forget all about that Uh, because God has something very special He would like to communicate to you and to embrace that which the Lord wants to speak this morning. Um, Yes, I lead a ministry called Shine. Uh, We walk around the world. Uh, God has allowed us to share the gospel with millions of people and the joy of seeing hundreds uh, of thousands of them give their lives to Jesus Christ. And for those going to Mozambique this year, I'm so excited to see you together, uh, working together as we advance the kingdom of God. I love renovation, I love what God is doing here, I love the, uh, the, the you know, the, the, the miracle and the presence of the Spirit of God, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing, and thank you for making time to be here this morning, I know you had to give up an hour uh, of sleep to be here on time because of daylight savings, so why don't you just give yourself an applause, come on, <laughs> amen, amen, amen. Um, Yeah, I also just want to share with you, God is working over there, but he's also working right here. And as you heard, I know he's working right here at renovation, Um, but our ministry also works in the city. We work with hundreds of churches here uh, this coming Thursday night, we have a, a citywide Prayer and Worship Night, uh, where we're being joined by Pat, Pat Barrett. It will be out in Golden Valley. Uh, churches, hundreds of churches will be coming together to worship. Um, and so if you are free on Thursday night, I invite you to come and join in at 7 p.m. in uh, at Calvary in Golden Valley. Um, the space is limited because it can only take a thousand people. But if you want to you know, worship with the rest of the body of Christ around the city and pray for the Twin Cities, uh, please come out and join with us. Now, you are, started a series on the parables of the kingdom of God, the parables of Jesus. And uh, today we pick up you know, a couple parables that Jesus gives us in the scriptures. They are both found in the book of Matthew, chapter 13, um, Uh, and, and I want to ask you to follow along. If you want to take the Bible in front of you in the seat and open it, you know, to page 667, we're going to be going there in just a moment, um, So Jesus gives us a a couple parables in this passage. Now, parables are not meant to capture the story perfectly, but they are meant to help us or to illustrate and help us understand a deeper principle about the kingdom of God. And that is what Jesus is doing with these stories or these parables uh, that he is sharing with us in the scriptures. Now, the the, the, the two parables that I want us to look at, one is in Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through verse 30. If you can read along, it says this. Uh, it's called the parable of the weeds. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the, seed, the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them out? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters first, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then, gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. The second parable is called the parable of the net, and it is found in the same chapter, the same page on your Bibles, uh, verse 47. Uh, through um, several verses there, and I'll read it along. It says, once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. Yes, they replied. Now, as I said, parables are not meant to capture the entire essence of what the kingdom of God is, but they help help illustrate an aspect of the kingdom of God that Jesus wants us to understand. And in this passage, uh, Jesus wants us to understand a number of things. One is that we are in this world, there is the kingdom of God in force, forcefully advancing on earth. And that is why he says, The kingdom of God is like, all right? Because this kingdom is already in process. When he came and he began to proclaim the gospel, the goodness of the kingdom, he said, The kingdom of God is at hand. The Bible says that Jesus began to teach and to tell the people the kingdom of God is at hand. And that is something that he wants us to understand. If you had any doubt, if you had any question as to whether the kingdom of God is here, Jesus wants us to understand that, yes, the kingdom of God is here. Now, he also tells us that this kingdom is in motion. In other words, that there is things happening, um, and God has set, planted the seed in the good soil. There is an expectation that there is going to be uh, plants that sprout, and eventually there is going to be a harvest that comes in. There's going to be the joy of gathering in the righteous into the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus has saved us. He has delivered us. He has set us free. That is the kingdom of God. Jesus has come in the flesh. That is the kingdom of God. And the Bible tells us that we have been, in fact, signed by his blood. And that is why I have my message title, Signed, Sealed, Already, Not Yet. Now, in these parables, Jesus wants to capture that, those three aspects. The fact that we are signed by His blood. We have been redeemed by His blood. We have been set free. We have been uh, set apart for the glory of God. And like that song by Stevie Wonder, right? Signed, sealed, delivered. Some of you are familiar with that song. Maybe you come from the 60s or 70s. I don't know how long it was. Uh, But it captures something to that extent. Signed, sealed, delivered. He's singing about love. But in the kingdom sense... The kingdom of God has already come and that in Jesus Christ, we have been signed by his precious blood. We have been set apart, delivered. You know, we are, we are sealed. The Bible says we are sealed by the promised Holy Spirit who guarantees us of our inheritance. And then it also tells us that we are seated with God in the heavenly places. We are in a place of authority with Jesus Christ. The goods have been delivered. You are signed by his blood. You are sealed by the promised Holy Spirit. You are delivered into the place of authority and dominion in Jesus Christ. That is the kingdom of God. But then he also reminds us that not yet, not fully quite yet. How so? You know, he says, while... The laborers are asleep. There is an enemy there. And so Jesus wants us to be aware of the fact that there is an enemy in the world. I know that some of us think the devil is this kind of spooky character that we have created that is not reality. The invisible world is far much more real than the visible world. That is one thing that we have to come to terms with and understand. And in fact, from the very beginning, when Jesus or when God creates the world, he creates it from the invisible world. Not the visible, not the material. From the invisible, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11, verse 3, that the sin universe was made from what is not sin, from the invisible. And so the invisible world is as real as the visible world in which we live. And then Jesus, uh, the scriptures also reminds us in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18, that we are to fix our eyes on what is not seen. What is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now, going back to the context of this this passage, we find that Jesus gives us an explanation in Matthew 13 verse 37 through verse 43. He gives us an interpretation of the parable. Quickly, he says this, that the sower is the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. Why does Jesus call himself the Son of Man? Because in him is captured the tension of heaven and earth, the reality of God and the reality of man. Therefore, he is the God-man. He is this Son of Man, the God who has manifested in the flesh, and therefore he is the God-man or the Son of Man. Then he goes on to say, the field is the world, the earth, the material world in which we live in. The good seed are the people of the kingdom of God. And if I may pause for a moment and just speak to you, I know maybe you are dealing with issues in your life. You are dealing with situations, even though you're part of the kingdom of God. And you're wondering, I thought coming to Christ meant that I, you know, uh, I, I everything was going to be happy and wonderful and awesome. Well, Jesus wants, us, wants you to understand that, yes, everything is wonderful and awesome and you're part of the kingdom of God, but there will be trials, there will be uh, testing, there will be competition with the darkness around us. Because there is an enemy that has gone out to sow the wicked seed. Then Jesus goes on to say the weeds are the people, uh, are the people of the evil one. The, the weeds are the people of the evil one. Now, you may be asking, oh, really? So there are people out here that are, that, are, that, that are sons of the devil? The answer is yes. Jesus says that the weeds are the people of the evil one. Now, how do we tell the difference between the people of the kingdom of God and the people of the evil one? The difference lies in their confession. Jesus tells us in in, in the book of John, chapter 1, verse 12, as many as believed in him, as many as received him, he gave them power to become sons of God. In other words, he gave them power to become sons and daughters of the kingdom of God. So there is an element in becoming either a child of God or a child of the devil. There is a place called decision, an element called decision. As you give yourself over to the revelation of God, you become a child of God. As you reject the revelation of God, you are confirmed as the son of the evil one. So I just want to make that clear out there, because at the end of this, I'm going to be extending an invitation. Some of you may need to make that choice today to give your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior. And I'll be giving you an opportunity at the end of this. Then Jesus goes on to say that the enemy is the evil or is the devil. So there is a devil out there. He's not just a figment of our human imagination. He is real and he's wreaking havoc. You can see it all over, all around us, in geopolitics, in your own personal life, in our personal conflicts, in everything evil that happens all around us. He is wreaking havoc in the world. And then Jesus also says that the harvest is the end of the age. Angels are the harvesters. In other words, that there is going to be a moment in history when the judgment of God will be established and the justice of God will be established. That evil is not going to be present forever, it is temporary. And that the kingdom of God will fully be manifest. It won't be anymore the time of the not yet. It will be fully accomplished, fully complete. And the Bible speaks about God establishing his throne and his dwelling with men forever and ever, and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, right? If we can say however many forevers, there will be. There will be no end to the righteousness and the integrity of this kingdom on over which God himself reigns and dwells. Now, that being said, there are four things that Jesus wants us to pay attention to. Uh, There are four things that Jesus wants you and I to pay attention to throughout these passages of Scripture. Number one, he wants us to understand that the kingdom of God is here. You see, when Adam fell in the Garden of Eden, he lost something. He lost the purposes of God. When God had creation, you know, God had creation. Uh, his perfect plan was for the invisible world to be manifested in the visible world through his sons and daughters. Through Adam and Eve and the seed that was in Adam, God had purposed that his kingdom may have dominion on earth forever and ever. But guess what? Adam and Eve decided against these purposes of God when they chose to listen to the lie of the enemy. And so through disobedience, they forfeited the kingdom of God and its rights. He gave it over to an unemployed cherub called Satan, who has since worked to destroy everything and has worked to, do, to, to confuse the earth and to destroy the purposes of God. And so as a result, through Adam, we all became victims of his disobedience. We became sons of disobedience, the Bible calls us. And so Adam lost the right to have dominion on earth. To, he lost control of what God had given to him in the first place in Genesis 20, uh, 1, 27 through 29, when he said, have dominion. Now he had no control because he had an intruder that is interfering. And in our lives, sometimes we feel like we have no control. I hear that there are so many people in America today that are so depressed. Depression is a sign that, you know, you feel a sense of lack of control. That is part of the outcomes of what happened with the fall. We feel a sense of no control. No control of our private lives, no control of our businesses, no control of our governments, no control of our world, no control over the climate, no control over things. Adam lost that control and we lost control in him. When he lost, he didn't lose heaven because heaven was not his dwelling place. Heaven is God's place. The Bible says heaven is God's throne, but the earth is ours. The earth is for man. We were not supposed to live in independence. We were supposed to live in reliance upon God. In other words, God, uh, the kingdom of God is not a democracy. We don't get to determine our own independence, but rather we are to live in fellowship and in communion with God. We are simply regents. We are, uh, to, we are here as stewards of God's purposes and God's kingdom, but we lost that with the first Adam. Now, God, in his sovereignty, he decides, I'm going to love my people anyway. I, I, I choose men because they are the work of my hands, and I'm not going to let them, you know, be destroyed. I'm going to provide what we call grace. And I'm going to provide mercy. I'm going to be present to them. And so throughout the Old Testament, through the types of the sacrifice, you know, the sacrificial uh, lambs and everything else as a type of Christ, God establishes this system that is to bring us eventually into his kingdom. Fullness into the redemptive grace that is finally fulfilled through Jesus Christ. And so now here we are. Jesus has come in the flesh. He lives among us. He has lived among us in the flesh. You know why flesh is so important? These bodies? Because this is what gives you license to be here on earth. When you lose this body, you don't have license to be here. The devil knows that, and so that's why he may tempt some of you to commit suicide, because he wants to eliminate you and destroy the purposes of God. God needs your body. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. And if he can destroy you and eliminate you, then he has succeeded in his evil, wicked schemes. But God has said, no, I want my children and I'll give them the Holy Spirit. I'll give them my presence. I will seal them with my blood. And when you're sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ and sealed by the Holy Spirit, you can live in the dominion of the Spirit of God. Yes, there is still the tension of the the not yet. But we know that that is coming in the resurrection when he raises us up from the dead and gives us new imperishable bodies. And he gives us a new identity in Jesus Christ. And so starting with the promise in Genesis 3.15, God says, I, you know, I I will restore The enemy has taken and stolen. I'll restore it. Through the seed of the woman, I'm going to crush the head of the serpent. And so God in Jesus comes as a baby. He didn't come, you know, just coming from heaven straight uh, because that will be a violation of his own principle. He had given us dominion and he's not going to just come and intrude. God is a God of process and procedure. And so he comes through a baby through the seed of a woman and born to this virgin called Mary and grows as one of us, lives among us, yet sinless because he didn't come as a result of the seed of the first Adam, so he wasn't in the first Adam. He is the second Adam, the new creation. And he comes and lives among us and now here we get born again By putting our faith in the person of Jesus Christ, we become the seed of the kingdom of God. The people of God by faith in the Son of God. The second thing that Jesus wants us to understand is to live in the wisdom of God. Jesus says that, you know, the wisdom of God is that the time of the harvest is not yet that we are still becoming, we are still being formed, we are still being shaped, and that the fullness of the, of the seed of the kingdom of God hasn't yet been brought in. And so if you read the book of Revelation, for example, there is this moment when the righteous, those that have been persecuted, they're coming before the presence of God and saying, God, well, how long since before you avenge our blood? How long before you execute justice on earth? And God says, It will be a little longer. Wait, because I want to gather in the whole seed. And as Jesus tells us, you know, if God established justice right now, guess what? The enemy will succeed because, you know, God's fullness will not have come in. But Jesus says, just wait a little longer. You know, I'm still gathering. I'm not frazzled by what the enemy has done. I'm not frazzled by the, uh, by, by the evil in the world quite yet because that too will mature. And I'm going to bring the seat of judgment and I'm going to execute my justice. And then after that, there will be joy everlasting. And so this is the wisdom of God. God calls us to live in that wisdom. He is, uh, Jesus is the light of the world. He enlightens us. And God does not only call us to live in wisdom, he calls us to live in the knowledge that he has sealed us with the power and the promise of the Holy Spirit, and that therefore we are set apart no matter what happens in the world. Whether we live or die, we know where we are going. We know whom we have believed. We know that we shall live again. That is what Jesus tells us and assures us in this. And his kingdom is forcefully on earth. We know that we shall live again at the end of the day. The third thing Jesus is calling us to is to trust the justice of God. To trust the justice of God. Now, maybe you're living here carelessly. Maybe you are one of those, you know, who despise the things of the kingdom of God. You know, and I don't know, somehow the Lord led you here this morning. Because God's desire is, not that, is, is that none of us may perish. God's desire is that all of us will find salvation. That is why even when he's dying on the cross and one of the thieves looks at Jesus and says, Lord, you know, uh, or rather he looks despitefully, you know, the first one, he looks uh, dis- despitefully, he says, you know, if you are the son of God, you know, why don't you deliver yourself and deliver us? And Jesus does not answer the man. You know why? You know, some of us will be like, why don't you just strike him dead? Jesus doesn't. You know why? Because Jesus' arms are still wide open. They're still outstretched. And however far they may be, the invitation is still open. He's saying, come. Come to me. And so his silence in that moment is not an admission of his powerlessness. It is really an extension of grace and mercy to this man. Well, we know that the man doesn't, you know, uh, give his life to Christ. And so he's confirmed in his rebellion. But we see what happens with the second thief. He says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom anticipating that that kingdom will be something that happens in the future. But Jesus says, oh, today you will be with me in paradise. Because the kingdom is present now. The kingdom is here and now here in among us. And while the judgment will come at the end of the age, the kingdom is forcefully in operation. Now we are to trust the justice of God because justice will eventually come to pass. The other day I was at a, at a phone store and I was talking to a gentleman who was uh, you know, one of the, who was selling me the phone. And, um, uh, and he was like, you know, you mean, I, um, I just can't get the fact that, you know, uh, that, that God can, can, can save, you know, people that have committed genocide and committed all the evil in the world. And the answer is yes, you know, he can. Because it's not his desire that any should perish. And anyone that believes in him will find eternal life. But if you reject him, then you become the instrument of God's wrath. You become uh, a subject to his judgment that is going to happen at the end of the age. And so with that, Jesus calls us to embrace the patience of God. To embrace the patience of God. Understand the patience of God is for the purpose that none may perish. In Romans 2, 4 through 11, the Bible tells us that the patience of God leads us to repentance. So this morning, maybe you've sat there, postponed the grace of God, postponed the work of God, postponed the mercies of God. Today, I want you to know that the patience of God is for our repentance. That we may find our way back to the cross of Jesus Christ. And that is why he's holding. While the angels may be eager, the workers, the righteous may be eager to see the judgment executed right now, God says, Hold. Because I am waiting. I'm not frazzled by what the evil one is doing. I am in control, I'm seated on the throne. And I intend to complete what I began at creation. And so he calls us to repent. He calls us to come to him. And I want to read James chapter 4 here. If you want to look at it with me, because it is an invitation from Christ. James chapter 4, verse. Uh, I'll read from verse 6. It says, but he gives us more grace This is a dispensation of the grace of God. He gives us more grace. He gives us grace to handle the the, the darkness. He gives us grace to be able to overcome the evil one. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. So we come in humility. And it says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil. God has given us grace and ability to be able to resist the devil. Jesus says, I have overcome the evil one. And all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Go execute my kingdom. God wants us to be intentional, to walk in his power and dominion. He says, therefore, go pray. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He's not calling us just to waddle around in the darkness and unsure. He's calling us to walk in the certainty of his finished work. And so the scriptures tell us there, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he'll free from you. Come near to God, and he'll come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. How do we wash our hands? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. And purify your hearts. You double-minded, grieve, moan, wail, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Repentance means all those things that we grieve over our sin, that we want to turn around and embrace the grace of God, that we want to follow him. Right now, I want us to pray. And if we can bow our heads in prayer, Jesus says come to me all you that labor and are heavy laden it is possible this morning you're here you're carrying a heavy burden you thought you needed to run your life by yourself Jesus says I have come I'm Emmanuel God with you maybe you've never given your life to Jesus Christ as savior And your life has become so burdensome. But today God is offering his grace. I want to extend invitation to you. If you want to receive Jesus as Savior, just raise your hand right now and I'll pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? If you're here, you can hear the tug of the Holy Spirit on your heart. And you want to say, I want to receive Jesus. Now, I, wanna, I want us to pray with those that are raising their hands right now. Just pray it out loud together. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I choose you. You are Lord. I invite you into my heart. Wash away my sin. Make me your child. A new creation. In Jesus' name. While our heads are still bowed, those of you that raised your hand, I'm just going to ask you to do me one thing, one favor. If you can stand and just walk through the back door, there's someone waiting for you at the back. Um, They would like to talk with you. We want to make sure that, you know, you get the information that you need to, as you begin your journey in Christ Jesus. So if you can just stand, everybody else, let's stay in the mood of prayer. If you can just stand and go to the back, somebody will meet you there. And right now, maybe you're here and you have a burden that you're carrying on your heart. And you just say, you know, Lord, I want, I want your power to be at work in me right now. Will you pray with me? If that is you, just raise your hand as well. I'm going to pray with you. And maybe we can, we can all stand together, you know, even as you raise your hand and needing the prayer. Let's, let's all stand together. And we're going to pray for those that are raising their hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, you see the needs in each one of these hearts, in each one of these souls that are raising their hands right now. And I pray that your power will be present to them, to set them free from whatever bondage, whatever darkness, whatever burden that they are carrying today. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. God bless you so much.